when you sent me your list of lessons from the last dance, one of the ones I was most excited about was the one we're doing today, and that's being a role player. And knowing that most players out there are not going to be Jordan in this story. They're not going to be that guy. It's just it's just the reality of it, and we all want to think that we are going to be that guy. But the reality is you're probably going to be John Paxson, Luke Longley, maybe Rodman, even even probably not Pippen. No, 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 no. He's a so he is a star. So when it comes to playing your role, I think the biggest thing you've said was we got to keep you on the court. Yes. So let's kind of go through just a few of these guys. Let's start with the John Paxson, Steve Kerr type of player. What kind of role did they fulfill for Jordan, and how did that make them valuable to the team? I think it's two things. It's what we kind of uh, a little bit glorify today. He, they were three and D guys, but they also utilized the mid-range shot, and I think that's what also helped them. And the mid-range shot, it, it allows you to shoot at a high percentage. No matter how good of a shooter you are, like the best ones, you, I think the high, you can get about 45% clip. So uh, they were locked down defenders in terms of their assignment. You know, they're not going to shut down some big score, but whoever their assignment was, they took care of that. They were good help defenders, good IQ players. And when the shot came to them, they knocked it down. Um, and I know you had said something about it. It's like these guys were not getting – 12 shots and so they could the law of averages could play out they would get four to five shots and you've got to be three for five or four for five there, there's just no other way around it and if not that means you're a bad shooter which then you're not going to you're not going to play um so i think it made those guys more knockdown shooters because they had to make the shots with less shots something that really struck me in that, I think it was the last two episodes, John Paxton talking about early in his career, he realized he was not going to be the star, the go-to guy. And I think the sooner that you can realize that from an honest perspective, because there are times, like you may be in high school, the guy, get to junior college, you're the guy, and then maybe your next stop, you're not. And there's a difference between confidence and knowing reality. And 100%. when he knew that reality, it allowed him to create a long career for himself and to get three titles, and to become an executive with the Bulls after that. And if he had stayed in the mentality of, no, I'm going to be an all-star in this league no matter what, he might have been out of the league in a couple of years. Yeah. So how can how can players reflect on their ability? Like, when do you know, like, okay, I'm no longer at the top of my team? I think you always got to be honestly assessing yourself, um, whether that's within the week, within the day, within the month. Um, you've got to constantly keep assessing where you're at. Um, if not, you're not in reality. You're always in perception. Um, being able to look at yourself and go, you know what, man, I, I tried to drive a couple times there. It didn't work out best. I never want to shoot anybody's dreams or goals down. But because John Paxson was able to, to dive into reality, what some people might look at as negative, it sustained his career. Had he stayed in that perception period, not reality, I think he has a short-lived career. So which one's better? Uh, I would rather you think of yourself a little less and do more and play longer than think of yourself high, do less, and you're out the league or out any league. You know, and We're speaking of the NBA right now, but this works for high school, college, junior college, middle school. Um, once you find your role in – uh, Doc Rivers kind of coined as becoming a star in your role. Having fun with that. Not just look, oh, man, you gave me the scraps. 
uh, anybody that knows about setting screens, if you set screens, you get yourself over. It's just taking something small like that that might look like dirty work that Reggie Miller's one of the best screeners. Clay Thompson's one of the best screeners. Steph Curry, one of the best screeners. I'm just taking one little small nuance of the game that I think that these type of role players, they had to do stuff like this. And then look at when you, when, when you can be counted on, uh, look how it worked out for Kerr and Paxson and those guys. Yeah, they had their, they had their big moments. They had their moment. That one that we're, that's what we're looking for, man. Whether it's you average 25 or nothing, you just want to feel like, man, let me get my moment. Let me, let me get one of those. Um, part of the team type of thing. A lot of times it can come from your coach. And if your coach is continually telling you that's not your shot, you know, you know, move the ball, maybe you should listen to that because you got to stay on the floor. And that, and that's one of the things you've said that is really, it's really simple, but it's really true. If you're not on the floor, you're not going to excel and you're not going to get to the level you want to get at. So if you can start by staying on the floor and doing the little things, then maybe opportunities will open up. You can improve your game in the offseason. Maybe you can become the guy, but maybe you don't. And you got to be able to be honest with that reality of yourself. Well, in assessing yourself, there's an old saying that I say a lot. Uh, do what you do well and stay away from what you don't do well. But you have to assess your game in order to know that. And I think that like a guy like a Draymond Green adheres to that a statement and you just don't ever see what his weaknesses are. It really opened my eyes when I was working with um, uh, Mike Moser and he was going through the pre-draft process and we we're talking with a lot of teams and agents, all this different stuff. And one of the agents made such a good point. It was Mitchell Butler. I'm not sure if you remember him. He played for UCLA, played in the NBA, yeah. um, kind of a swing man, but he had said, um, you know, Mo's right now, he's got some weaknesses. He said, but, you know, he's he's got a high draft stock for it at the time. And he goes, but his weaknesses right now, if he just does what he does well, we can get him in the door and they'll find out what his weaknesses are there, but then they can work on them. But if you go and show them beforehand, like, oh, I can step out and shoot and stuff, and then you're missing, now you're not getting drafted. So it sounds maybe a little bit uh, smaller when we're talking about high school, AAU, and all these other stuff. It's like, for somebody trying to go into the NBA, I'm sure all the players listening to this will be willing to adjust their game if it said, hey, this will get you into the NBA. Well, and in my in my own experience, getting on the floor was most important. I was a screener and a rebounder, and, and I every now and then would get a shot. I probably got like three or four shots a game. And doing that well helped me get to college where I then could expand my game a little more and and – do some things to get to the next level. But initially it started by getting on the court and I had to do the stuff that was boring, but the stuff that helped us win games and it helped, it helped me be able to get noticed. Something else about this role, you know, with Paxton and Kerr, the spot up shooter, uh, they rarely turn the ball over and they valued the basketball. And when you're playing with somebody like Jordan or Kobe or LeBron, they're going to have the ball in their hands most of the time. So if they have a couple turnovers, it's not a big of a deal. But if you're in that role where you catch the ball and you're shooting or passing and you turn it over, that's going to have a huge impact on the game. What are some things that, if this is somebody's role to catch and shoot or catch and move the ball, how can they approach their game to limit their turnovers? Well, 
I think you need to – one big thing, all players, I think the sign of a remedial basketball player is that when they catch the ball, they put it down right away. They look to, to try to make that player. I think take a second to kind of survey and, and see what the situation is. But a lot of the issues happen because they want to initiate the play. What I've found out is if you become the guy that's kind of swinging it and continuously moving – eventually the ball is going to come back to you, but you won't have to be the uh, making the big play with the spotlight on you because if it doesn't go right, then you're coming out because you haven't gained that leeway. Like we talk about trying to uh, get you on the floor to sustain your, your playing time. Um, doing these little things and not turning the ball over will give you additional time that eventually now you get a shot. Now you get a few plays. Um, but if you do that, you're, it's going to be short-lived. You're going to come out the game. And you don't want to keep having these dinner spaghetti meetings with your parents and, and talking bad about the coach and why it's not going wrong. These are situations that you can fix as a player. Um, so I would say, first off, just try not to be the initiator. You know, uh, if you watch Chris Paul or Harden or, or Lillard, they're the initiators for their team. But, like, Mo Harkless wasn't. But Mo Harkless started and Mo Harkless played lots of minutes and I think he had a significant role uh for that team um so and, and he stays on the floor but if he's if Mo Harkless trying to make moves and stuff he would have eventually turned it over and then they're going to go with the next guy you know I mean who's going to play more of his minutes well I think they missed Mo Harkless this year man I at first, I wasn't the biggest fan of his, but then when they got into the playoffs and started seeing how he played and his defense, 100%. He made some big moments for him. Man, and who he could guard and rebound, those things, it just goes – it can go over your head, but that's how you win games. It's not, oh, we're going to drop this play. It's no, who's going to get an offensive rebound in the last minute? That's how you're going to win or lose a game. They, were, you know, they showed the Orlando-Chicago series on the last dance, and when Orlando beat them and Jordan came back in 95, and a big part of the reason they lost that series was because Horace Grant was on the other side, and he did those little things for Chicago. He was a rebounder defender, and you know Jordan's good enough to still almost win the series, but when you're missing that guy and he's on the other team, it makes a big difference. When it's going to boil down to those little possessions, you know, and or, or, as we call it, the little things, I keep – putting it back out there, my guy Fossman, they're the most important things on the floor. They're the big things for somehow, some way we've diminished uh, these things. If you don't get 50-50 balls and deflections and um, help them recover them and rotate and box out and contest shots, you're going to lose. Coach, those things those things don't get on Instagram, though. I'm it's working the handles. right now to create a, a, a campaign for that type of stuff on Instagram. But I no, see it. It's, it's good it's stuff. Not, it's not really a cool and uh, sexy and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not the, the fab, but the players that go down that road, they play for a long time and those guys end up being coaches and um, they stay around the game. That's what most people want, you know, mm -hmm. and how we can articulate that to them. Uh, but there's these pillars, you know, the work ethic, the coachability, the, all these different things. And if you don't do that, you're going to get weeded out of the game. Another one of my favorite role players from the Last Dance series was Ron Harper. I wish they would have interviewed him more. He didn't get enough, didn't get enough airtime. But Ron Harper, stutter. Not you know he has a stutter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably why. It could have been. They still could have given him a little more. 
A little love, man. He, <laughs> he was impactful. My favorite thing about Harper was when he came into the league. I think he expected to be a star, and he, and he might have could he might have been able to be a star. He had an injury, kind of messed up his career a little bit, but he was able to redefine himself. And he was at the top. He was scoring for the Cavs. Goes to the Clippers. He's a scorer. He gets hurt. Slows him down a little bit. He redefines himself. He goes to the Bulls. And he's one of their better defenders. On the ball and off the ball. And he doesn't get a lot of shots. No, not at all. Now, he handles the ball for him a little bit. But he's not creating. He's just initiating the offense. Give it to Jordan and move through. Winging it. And these players are really valuable uh, to any team. And I think if, as a high school player, if you're a great defender and if you take care of the ball and run an offense, I got to believe there's a college coach out there that's going to see that. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Heck yeah. No. And, um, and I I'm not going to pronounce his name, right. He just, um, signed a couple of days ago to central Wyoming, Jack Chakamala, uh, Lake Oswego, Lake Oswego. And I was just talking with the coach about him the other day. I don't know the kid from anything, but I've seen him play a little bit. And I know the type of guys that choke coaches and it's going, these guys are going to be high IQ players, solid players, play the right way. Um, these guys, when you got players like that, you can, there's always a place for you. Some, though you win with those type of players, you know, you win, that's how you win ball games. And so, it, and you grow from that. You want to build your foundation like that, where, you're able to be fundamental, high IQ, uh, you know, maybe a jack of all trades. You're not really a king of anything now, but then you develop into that. Um, because as you start going up the levels, that's where they're looking at this one thing that you do really well or that specialty. But why not be well-rounded and eventually grow into that? Because if you start specializing too early, we might not be able to find room for you as you continue to move up uh, levels and defense and rebounding and playing the right way on offense spacing moving around setting screens moving the ball quickly if you're able to do those things i think we can find you a place to play you'll have a good foundation that you can continue to build from and learning from ron harper maybe you are in high school right now and you are the guy first team all league maybe all state 20 points a game whatever but then you get to your college team and you realize quickly i'm i'm just number eight number nine maybe but I got to get on the court, take it down a notch, focus on defense, focus on running the offense. You know, don't worry so much about your own ability to create initially. Maybe eventually you'll get that chance. Maybe you won't. Maybe for four years, you'll be a starter. You'll play a lot of defense and pass the ball. You're on the floor. But hey, you're starting, you're on the floor, and you're helping your team have success. Eric Snow. <laughs> yeah. Give the ball to AI. I take the best guard defensive assignment. And and we win. And I don't know if you remember him in college. He played with a guy named Sean Respert. Sean Respert was drafted to the, the Raptors in their expansion year, the same year with Damon Stoudemire. Sean Respert was a first-team All-American and averaged like 24.5 points. Eric Snow was a teammate of Sean Respert at Michigan State. For Judd Heathcote, he averaged a whopping 10 points and about six assists. And he plays like a 13, 14-year in the league. Sean Respert out the league in about two or three years. Yep, you got to be able to figure out how to adjust his game. Exactly. You got to be able to take it down or not sometimes because you're not going to be able to play at that level. Very few people, some people will, very few people will be able to be a 20-point scorer at every level. It's not It's not a big number. But the crazy part about it is that 
if they were talking about Eric Snow in college, they probably would have said, man, he ain't that good. And then yeah. he plays 13 to 14 in the league. So you got to kind of figure out who's per, who, who do you want saying you're good? You know, sometimes that, that Instagram love or the other cloud that you're searching for might not be the love that you need. You know, you want to make sure you're hearing it from the right people. Um, and I think a lot of people would say Eric Snow was just an average player in the NBA. I think they would say that too. And, that average player had a long career and now he's coaching and he's made the game his career. Yeah. Got to play in the finals. You know, I mean, uh, I know he was coaching in college after I actually had his night, I think Florida Atlantic. So he's still coaching, but that's what happens when you do it the right way, you get to continuously stay in the game for a long period of time. Um, and if you want to do, you know, players do your research, coaches do your research, look at the, the star guys and, and how they go on, you know, Magic wasn't a good coach, <laughs> but he's been a very good businessman. But it's like being able – the reason why Steve Kerr can be who he is, is he's seen it from all angles, you know, being at the end of a bench. You know, at college, looked like he was a star, but he had some early humility from being in high school. He says he didn't even have no offers and gets a late offer from Arizona. That kind of sounds crazy, but still, um, that's kind of how it was back then. We'll find guys late bloomers and whatnot. Um, that always, as a player, gave me hope that, okay, it don't all got to happen now. Mm-hmm. Because you could get that feeling if you're in today's day and age. I know I did as a 15, 16, 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. And when I heard the the, um, the Scottie Pippen stories and the Robin stories and, these, and Dennis Johnson's story about barely playing in high school and then having to go to junior college and then making out of that go to Pepperdine. And then he's one of the most famous, you know, about DJ, play for the, the, the Celtics. So, I mean, these are stories I searched for to go, okay, man, there's people that's made it, you know, that played JV as a junior, and now they – I had to find some of these stories to give myself hope. And when I found it, <laughs> full speed ahead. Um, yeah. So, and there's a lot of players I look at today that, um, man, they are more skilled to an extent because of some of the work that they're doing, but it's learning how to use this stuff mm-hmm. the right way in the game. Um, the game has ability to really grow right now. If we can, if we can um, get it directed in the right direction in, in terms of teaching players how to develop the right way. Another role player to, to look at from the last dance, which is kind of an interesting case is Luke Longley. And it's, it's interesting because, I believe he was a number two pick. Yeah, I believe to the to the Timberwolves. And number two pick, you think, okay, this guy's gonna be the franchise. He's gonna take him to the next level. He didn't have that success. He kind of got moved around. Ends up with the Bulls. And on the Bulls, he's spot up mid range a little bit, guard a big man. Didn't have amazing rebounding numbers, but he was on the court and he was making a big impact. Those type of players in today's game, you don't see him as much. The bigger guy who's not as mobile, that was more of a '90s thing. They're not they're not playing those guys anymore. But the things he was able to do were the things that the Bulls didn't have. He could guard a big guy, and you needed that at that day. And now maybe it's a little different. But what can you speak on when you see high schoolers today or college players today, where this team's good but they're missing one thing? And what's what's one role nobody thinks about that doesn't get any glory, but that a team always needs? 
Heck yeah. And, and going back to what we're talking about, doing these these little things. I just watched the um, details on ESPN on the Bulls and Phil Jackson was talking on there. The reason why they went and acquired Luke Longy, he said, because he was a good passing big. So he could defend. He said he could get in there and he said he couldn't stop Shaq. He said, we got him big body to be able to hold Shaq. You know, the other guys that he had to guard, but he said he was a good passing yes. big. I know that that's what they were looking for because of playing in the triangle. Um, so that was a role that, I mean, that was a skill that he had that fit into that role that allowed him to play on a championship team. It's just a role player. You know, you would think they going out to find uh, Sean Kemp or, you know, whoever's one of the top big guys at that time. But I really loved how Phil Jackson would find guys like a Bill Winnington, a Luke Longy, a think of going, you know, okay, we got Charles Oakley, but you know what, let's, we need a little bit longer. Let's get a Bill Cartwright. He's on the back end of his career. Now nah, this is going to help us win. It, it, that to me is like genius. You know, um, it's it's not in the talent. They found the little small nuances. We need a guy that that can pass the ball in this offense. That's going to make it run a little bit smoother. And then they show a play. He catches it. Jordan passes to him. He catches it. Jordan does a backdoor. Boom. He hits him on a backdoor. Easy dunk. Um, so that allows him to stay on the floor if he can fit into that cog, into that role. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we've wrapped up our lessons from the last dance. Any final thoughts on the documentary and things that players can take away from it? I think now that you're able to watch it on ESPN or Netflix, wherever you can watch all the way through, is to go back and watch it through. Lockdown. Get yourself a notepad and a paper and actually take some notes like this is here. This is me watching the last dance. You know, I, I I'm, I'll just jot down stuff that I see. It's uh, so this is, I'm a coach. Imagine if a player took the time to do this. I think they would soak up information and be that proverbial sponge. So go back through it again and see what you can pick up. Cause most of the time you're always going to pick up a little bit more when you review and don't get caught up in, uh, you know, I hear younger guys sometimes say, oh, they didn't have that great of moves back then. And it might not be as flashy with the dribbles, but you can pick up so much great basic things. And we've mentioned it before, the great thing about players like Jordan and Kobe, one, two dribbles and they had a shot. And they didn't need much more. Well, maybe, just maybe, I'm, I'm, maybe you don't need to do all this stuff. And- <laughs> Maybe you could just pass and cut, and if you had more energy, then you could offer that on the defensive end or go for a loose ball and play a little bit more efficiently. So I would say open your mind up to, to is there other ways to play the game that I've been playing so far? Uh, let's get to it. Look.